good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're on time. You're ready to worship and ready to, uh, to dive into God's Word. We're in Matthew chapter 13. This summer, we have been going through parables of Jesus, uh, specifically looking at selected parables. And hopefully at this point, if you're not familiar or haven't been here, let me give you uh, a quick overview and kind of be, bring you up to speed. Uh, a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly truth. Now, what exactly does that mean, an earthly story with a heavenly truth? Well, if you remember way back in math class, for me it was a long, long, long time ago, uh, but if you remember way back in math class, there was this word that they taught us called parabola. And a parabola was a curved plane in which one side mirrored the other. That's what a parabola is. Well, the same thing, that's the same word that is used to describe Jesus' teaching, uh, the way that he is teaching. In other words, he is teaching a, a parable is an earthly story, something that we're all familiar with, like he might share a story about sheep, or he might share a story about a dinner, or he might share a story about a hidden treasure, as we're going to look at today. But then on the flip side of that, as you would a parabola, there's a there's another kind of a kind of a hidden story, if you will, a paralleled story, one that mirrors the other, but its purpose is to reveal something about the kingdom of God. So its focus is an earthly story, but it's going to give us insight into a heavenly truth, a a kingdom focused perspective. So that's the background. That kind of gives us some idea. And this morning we're going to look at another trilogy. We've looked at one already. Uh, There is one uh, that is a series of three that Jesus shared. That's the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. He shared those three back to back to back. And uh, those three are best understood uh, when you read them together. Well, this morning we're looking at another trilogy. These three parables were shared together, and each of those parables are intended to provide some additional insight into the perspective of the kingdom of God. So, with that in mind, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to pick up at verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like Treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, that's the end of the parable. He actually goes from there and goes into another parable. But let me pause there just for a moment. Because historically, the common interpretation of this parable is that a sinner finds Christ, gives up all that he possesses to gain him and to be saved. In other words, uh, the focus is, you know, you once you realize how good God is, once you realize the goodness of Christ, that uh, you would give up everything. Uh, You would give up everything and go sell all of your possessions in order uh, to follow him. 
But if we look a little bit closer and we consider what is it that God is trying to teach us about the perspective from the kingdom of God. Here's the problem with the common interpretation. Salvation is not something that you can purchase. I mean, think about that. The parable here is saying that he did what? He went and bought the, bought the field. He went and bought the field so that he could have that hidden treasure within the field. But salvation is not something you can purchase. It's not something for sale. So it leads me to believe that there's something else going on here. And let me suggest that that something else is that Jesus is the one who bought the field, not us. Jesus is the one who bought the field. You see the common interpretation. You look at it and you go, yeah, I would give up everything to follow Christ. I would sell all of my possessions in order to buy that field. And yes, that sounds good, but salvation is not for sale. Salvation is not something we can buy. I would suggest that Jesus is the one who bought the field. So listen to it again. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Oh, that changes it, doesn't it? That makes it exciting. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one who says, you know what? I see a treasure in his people. He sees a treasure in them. And he would go and he would give up everything. He would do what? He would be willing to purchase the field. How would he do that? He would give up his own life. So key point number one for us this morning is this, that Christ is not the hidden treasure. Rather, he is the one seeking the treasure. Christ is not the hidden treasure. He is the one seeking the treasure. Now, I used to enjoy uh, going to the flea markets way back in the 80s and 90s. I loved it. That was one of the pastimes of mine and my grandfather. Uh, He and I would, uh, every Tuesday, uh, we knew that we were going to be in a place called Greenville, Kentucky. And we were going to go and we were going to check out all the flea market uh, goods that we could. We would get some pork rinds, fresh made pork rinds while we were there. We were going to enjoy our time uh, at the flea market. On Fridays, there was another one that we would visit. Uh, But my grandfather and I, that's how we spent our summers. We would go check out all these flea markets. Today, flea markets aren't quite the same. I went to uh, some of the flea markets that we used to go to while visiting in Kentucky one time. And I was kind of disappointed. They have more or less turned into uh, a glorified Dollar General store. So what used to be the flea markets have now changed their name. They're called Antique Malls. (laughs) They have changed their name. It's Antique Malls. Now, I miss the old old, uh, flea markets. I really do. And the reason that I miss those is because with the Antique Malls, uh, everything that's in the Antique Mall, they know it's old, and they think it's worth $100 or more. And with the old flea markets, when you go into the old flea market, you really could find a bargain. Uh, you could find things for sometimes just mere, mere uh, change and uh, find some exciting stuff. I remember on one occasion, um, I saw a box of old baseball cards. Now, this was in the eight, late 80s, and I found this box of baseball cards. And the baseball cards were all from the 1950s and 60s. 
And I went through them and I could see Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and all sorts of names that were familiar to me, even though they were decades before my time. And I looked around and, and I said, how much for these baseball cards? He said, I don't know. They're my dad's and he's gone to get lunch. And I said, I'll give you $10 for the whole box. Now, I'm a teenager myself. I wasn't trying to rook him or anything like that. That's just all I had was the $10. And he said, uh, he said sounds good to me. So I gave him $10 for that box. And uh, I, went, I was going off, and my grandfather came along, and he said, what do you have there? I said, I bought a whole box of old baseball cards. He said, really, how could you afford that? I said, I got it for $10. I told him the story, and he said, we're done for the day. Somebody's going to be looking for you. Let's go. And uh, we got in the car, and we headed out. You know, sometimes uh, looking for old junk is fun. Looking for that old junk is fun. And that was part of the adventure of, uh, of looking for treasure. Looking for treasure. It actually reminds me of a sitcom. Now, you guys, this was, this was probably before some of your time. Uh, you may not remember Sanford and Son. Uh, in fact, growing up, I remember a lot of times my mom called our house, said it looks like Sanford and Son, but... Uh, I'm sure she meant that uh, with great affection. But anyway, the father uh, and son operated uh, what was Sanford and Son Salvage. And a little caption underneath was like, Secondhand Antiques and We Buy and Sell Junk. Uh, I would actually love uh, to, uh, to visit a place like this. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to check out this clip uh, where Fred G., don't forget the G. Sanford, offers his son Lamont uh, some tips on how to find the treasure of good junk. Check this out. Hey, Pop. Hey, Pop. Hello, son. You want to help me unload this truck? See, I was reading the paper. You know that Dear Abby? You ever read that? No, you want to help me unload this? Wait a minute, let me read you one. Dear Abby, my husband refuses to bathe. I have used all kinds of hints, but nothing helps. I leave soap lying around. And once I even filled a tub and tried to push him in accidentally. But nothing seems to work. He still won't take a bath. What do you advise? Sign gas mask. <laughs> you want to help me unload this truck? Wait a minute. Let me read you one moment. <laughs> Dear Abby, my husband and I have not spoken to each other for five years. I hate to be the first one to talk, but it looks like I might have to because I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> should I tell him or should I wait till he notices something? <laughs> Sign stubborn. <laughs> so would you put that paper down and help me unload this truck? Problems. People got problems. And I see I got me one. What? Look. Junk, junk, junk. Yeah, well, that's our business, isn't it? Yeah, but this kind of junk make real junk look bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? But look at them old big tires. Well, these are snow tires. Snow tires? In Southern California? <laughs> that just shows you what you know. Now, people use these all the time to get up the mountains to those ski resorts. Oh, yes, our neighbors are there all the time, skiing and yodeling. <laughs> And look at this trash. Trash? This is good, Pop. This is aluminum. Aluminum? That's nothing but old pot metal. Ain't worth nothing. How long you been with me now, Lamont? 
What do you mean, how long have I been with you? Since I was born. Has it been that long? Come on, all this time in the junk business, and you still haven't developed an eye for junk. Well, I'll pick up what I can. Well, look at this. What is this? What's it look like? You must have found it in the alley. No, I bought it at Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. But you know, Lamont, people put garbage in stuff like this. Fill it up with garbage and then throw it out in the alley. Here's another thing you haven't developed. There's a nose for junk. Well, I'm not going to go around smelling the stuff. See, when you find something like this, what you should do is step on it. And if it squishes, then you don't want it. All right, Pop, I'll just throw it away. No, no, wait a minute. Don't throw it away. I just want to give you a lesson in this business. A lesson? Yes. Yeah. Now look at this here. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the old, uh, I'm coming to join you, Elizabeth. All right. So here's the thing. You know, there is, uh, there's something about uh, finding treasure uh, that makes us rejoice, right? Well, I believe that Christ places high value on people. So much so that he was willing to sacrifice himself in order to purchase our salvation. You see, Jesus is the one who purchased our salvation with his blood. I want you to put your seatbelts on for this. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That is the purchase. He has redeemed. The idea of that word redeemed is that he has bought us out. He has purchased us. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's the sacrifice that Jesus made. We see the purchase that he made, then we see the sacrifice that he made. The verse continues that the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, that's the treasure. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's the field that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see what's happening? Jesus made a purchase. He saw the treasure. The treasure is no less than his people who are called by his name, which were the Hebrew people. That's Israel. But he didn't limit his purchase to just that treasure. No. He made a sacrifice to include the whole field. That for, for, for My guess would be most of us in this room are probably Gentiles. That would be us. That's us. We're the field. We're the field. Listen to this. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The purchase, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, the sacrifice, that the blessing of Abraham, the treasure, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, the field, that we might receive the promise 
of the Spirit through faith. Listen, Jesus didn't just purchase the treasure. That was the blessing of Abraham. He bought the whole field. And that's ultimately what makes it possible for people like me, for people like you, to be saved. We look back at the Old Testament to properly understand this hidden treasure because in the Old Testament, that was a common term for God's people, the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You see, throughout the Old Testament, Israel was the treasure. And when Jesus uses this parable in the New Testament, and he uses this word treasure, it should remind us in the Old Testament that who that treasure is, and that's Israel. But the fact that he bought the whole field means that he made it possible for me and you. So God declares that he owns the whole field and that Israel is his treasure. Now look at John chapter 11, verse 51. Listen to this. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. What nation? The nation of Israel. That he would die so that they could have salvation. Philippians 2 shows us that Jesus sold all that he had to purchase the field. Listen, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What did he do? He gave up his heavenly glory. He was, he was the continual and central focus of all worship in heaven. And he came here to the earth where he would be mocked and rejected as opposed to worship. Not only Jesus has the ability to purchase the whole field. 1 John 2, 2 puts it this way, that he is the propitiation, that just means satisfaction, for our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. His sacrifice was sufficient to purchase the whole field. He bought the whole field. You see, when I read that, and I read it again and again and again, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and I see that parable, every time that I read it now, I recognize I didn't stumble upon some hidden treasure. Jesus was looking for me. And he values a relationship with me. And he bought not only the treasure, but the whole field, so that he can have a relationship with me.